Hello, I'm Henry Bryan, a political communications and advertising student here at SMU. Welcome to Hello Hilltop. Today I'm interviewing Willie Baronet, an artist, film director, and advertising professor at SMU. We'll be talking about his We Are All Homeless project as well as his 2016 film, Signs of Humanity. I hope you enjoy. We are here with Willie Bernay, Professor Bernay. We're super happy to have you here and super happy to talk to you about all the things you're doing in the Dallas community, the SMU community, and, and the national community as a whole with your We Are All Homeless program. So the first question I have for you today is, I saw you bought your first homeless sign in 1993. I just wanted to know the mindset you had going into that, why you decided to buy that sign and what it meant to you at that time. Well, first of all, Henry, thanks for having me on here and I'm happy to help this community, as you know. In 1993, what I remember, and that was a long time ago, but what I remember is that was about when I first started to notice people standing on street corners holding signs. Back then, it seemed like all of the signs said, we'll work for food or something really close to that. And it was before cell phones. And so it was the kind of thing where I'd pull up to an intersection and I usually felt really uncomfortable and I would avert my eyes, didn't want to make eye contact. and. After that happened a few times, the idea to buy the sign was really, I think, my way of wrestling with how can I change the dynamic that's going on. And from the very first time, I never looked back. It completely shifted the relationship. And since their energy changed and I felt like that was a window into a conversation with them, I was able to find out their name. And it really just made me feel better about how I was connecting to those people. So that's what I'd say about the beginning. And that is where We Are All Homeless is born. And I think the idea behind this is really interesting. And I'd love to hear how you landed on that name and what exactly it means to you. So technically, yeah, the project started then because I started buying signs and basically have never stopped. But the truth is the name We Are All Homeless happened 16 years later, I was in grad school at the time, and I really, I'd like to tell you, I, this was premeditated, and I knew exactly what I was going to do with these homicides, but I truly had no idea. But when I went back to grad school and started studying art, I realized this was a medium that I wanted to work in, and my professors encouraged me as well. They said, man, you got to do something with all these signs. And it was in one of my classes with Professor Greg Metz at UTD, and he basically was trying to get us to come up with ways to disrupt people's regular days. You know, it was a class on interventionist art. And it occurred to me that this might be the perfect place to really do something with the signs. And it was while I was in that class that semester that I thought of We Are All Homeless. And I immediately, this was the early, early days of URL. So I went online and bought the URL right away. And yeah, it's been We Are All Homeless ever since. So as an artist, you found a way to translate 
this idea of creating change through art. Is that what you had always viewed art as, or it sounds like this professor kind of changed the role that art played in your life at that point? Yeah, I mean, I grew up like probably a lot of kids. I drew all the time. I I loved drawing and stuff. And to me, art was paintings and sculptures and stuff like that. I never really thought about art that deeply until much later. And I would also say that it was during grad school where I really started to expand what I thought about art and how it could have a role in our lives. And I did not set out to be, you know, an activist or anything like that. It really just sort of took on a life of its own. It is a wonderful project. I, I'm in your class. I still have one of your posters from Eddie from Philly. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. One of my favorite and I still have, ever. still have that poster in my room. So it, it's definitely made an impact on me. Thank and you. it seems like this art project that began then definitely culminated in your 2014 film, Signs of Humanity. And I'd like to let you have the floor explain what led to this film and what inspired you to translate to another art form in film here. Sure. So I was in grad school until 2011. 2009 was the first actual art exhibit that I ever did utilizing these signs. And so as the project began to take shape, I started get people, you know, people were just interested to ask about it. And that led me to speaking about it at a TEDx event in 2012. And it was at that TEDx event that I first mentioned this idea about traveling across the country buying signs without any real plan or intention to do that. It was more of a kind of like a dream. But two years later in 2014, we began to plan this trip. And that summer, we traveled from Seattle to New York. I think we visited 22 or 24 cities. And we basically were buying signs all along the way. We started getting a lot of attention from media in different cities. And so a lot of times we were being followed by a newspaper reporter or a radio station or TV station. And that trip led to the final film, which was done in 2016. And, you know, it took two years to go through all the footage, edit everything, and put the story together, you know, into the 62 minute film. And I was not a filmmaker. You know, I had a background in advertising and spent a lot of my career doing the creative stuff in the advertising world, but I never did anything that was long-form video like this was. So it was a huge learning experience for me. I had a great group of people working with me on this and shooting the footage and helping just organize and produce the whole thing. So I feel like it was this huge experience in my life, and I would love to do more of that, but that was the first one. And yeah, it was, it was quite an experience. For your first long-run film, like I mentioned before, I've seen the film and it doesn't show. Uh, it's, it's really spectacular and prolific. But I think right now is a good time to introduce why I personally wanted to interview you for this. And most of it has to do with my origins. I grew up in Seattle 
which is where you started this film. And I grew up working with the homeless at a shelter called St. Martin de Porres Shelter, which worked for men over 65 dealing with homelessness. And it was my parents' prerogative to get me involved at a young age. And it didn't exactly impact me until I was in high school when I got involved with this shelter as well as my middle school where my father and I would sleep over and we would sleep underneath our church with a group of gentlemen. And that was where I got to experience a little bit of what you've experienced with one-on-one -on -one conversations with these gentlemen. And that changed my perspective about homelessness, much like is translated in your film, in the kind of humanity of people that aren't homeless, just don't acknowledge. And I think your film really, really exemplifies that and shows the human side of people that most passerbys aren't privy to. So I, I really enjoyed your film and that's why I wanted to make sure the SMU community and, and Dallas community as a whole was more aware of it as well. Well, I appreciate that. And I think your experience, which sounds really profound, also illustrates the basic part of this. It is uncomfortable. And most people I talk to struggle with what to do when they see somebody and somebody who is clearly asking for help and a lot of people just aren't sure how to help, whether or not they should acknowledge that person. Are they safe? Is there some potential danger? And I believe what you experienced, it is very similar to a lot of what I experienced making the film, which is I just got a chance to have conversations human to human. I've long since stopped being afraid when I stop and ask people to buy their sign. In fact, I bought a sign the day before yesterday in Dallas. But I can't stress that enough that the biggest piece of this is really about being willing to see each other and acknowledge each other, regardless of whether somebody or myself is going to hand over money or food or anything to another person. For me, this really begins with, am I willing to make eye contact and acknowledge there's another human being right there. And even if I have nothing to give, am I willing to wave and smile and just let them know, hey, I see you? So, Willie, I was wondering about the uniqueness of your situation and just walking up and speaking with these folks just in the street. And while watching the film, I did notice some funny looks from passerbys. And I just <laughs> wanted to hear... Uh, how you responded to that and how they responded to seeing you walk up and actually sit down, an unconventional thing that you don't see every day, and how you responded to that. Well, we certainly got a wide range of reactions while we were on the street, both from the people holding signs and then from just folks walking by. In some cases, people thought I was just another guy on the street. You know, I was in shorts and I probably looked just like a friend of somebody that was on the street holding the sign. And I got yelled at. There were times people were screaming really rude things to both of us. And then in other cases, I think people were curious. People definitely looked kind of confused <laughs> at times. But honestly, my attention was so focused on the people I was talking to that unless somebody really yelled at us, I was really concentrating on just focusing on the person that I was having a conversation with. And, you know, I've done this a long time and I feel 
that that attention and trying to stay present in that space is probably the most important aspect of that interaction. You know, it's a chance for that person to feel safe and that somebody's actually listening. So that tends to be where my attention is. Sure. And that entire idea of just people mistreating folks on the streets, just trying to get their life together was kind of echoed throughout a lot of the people you interviewed. And I felt horrible hearing that. But when they did talk about those stories, what I noticed a pretty common theme was is that they'd follow up some story of mistreatment by mentioning a, a good deed that somebody else did, like dropping off a $100 bill or standing up for them. And I thought that was so great to hear that in a situation that it, it looks really downhill and people are mistreating them, they still emphasize and remember the good deeds as much as they do the bad. And I thought that was a pretty great aspect of the film in general. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but as you mentioned that, uh, I'm thinking about the one guy in Cincinnati who tells that story of a man giving his son a few dimes and telling him to go throw them at the homeless guy. And, you know, he tells that story and then he talks about somebody giving him a $100 bill. And then there was a young man named Nigel in New York City who talked about, you know, people really treating him badly and and then he followed that up talking about that woman that gave him a pillow and a blanket and how he thinks about her every night. So I, I actually hadn't thought about that until you asked that question, but there's a lot of truth to that. I am shocked at how resilient the people seem to be that are on the street. I just, I personally don't think I've got the toughness to be able to do that eight hours a day, day after day. I just, I can't even imagine what that must be like to someone's self-esteem. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of resilience and hopefulness in those conversations. And that's what I, I really appreciated seeing. I guess I'll segue into the next question here and this just has to do with the journey of the film you've been collecting signs for a long time but i know that this film was kind of a different situation in which you really put yourself fully out there and traveled across the country so did your perspective on the meaning of we are homeless change in that month of travel between seattle and new york I would say it deepened probably more than anything else because the trip across the country was really the first time that I had a really prolonged chance to have long conversations with people that I was meeting and ask them more deeply about their story. It was fundamentally a different level of this project. You know, I still am asked to do exhibits in places all over the place, and I still get to go speak about this project to different kinds of groups or schools or students or professional groups or whatever, and I still absolutely love it. But I would agree that the film kind of took this to, you know, for one thing, it got us a crazy amount of media attention, which in turn meant that I got contacted by lots of people from around the world, which still happens all the time. And then now that the film is on Amazon Prime, people will watch it and just out of the blue, they will find me and send me a message. Or I had a guy in Los Angeles a couple of months ago contact me and 
he just wanted to do some drawings that he was inspired to do after watching the movie and send to me. And it was like, that's the kind of response that happens that I can never predict, but it's gratifying. It lets me know that the work is still relevant. People still seem to respond to it, whether it's an exhibit or seeing the film. So yeah, definitely kind of kicked it up to a new level. And I realize now I'm never going to be able to stop doing this. <laughs> and I really did enjoy the emphasis on home because I heard so many different responses to that relatively simple question. People who do have a roof over their heads, it, it can be a pretty typical answer. But these folks that are subjugated to some pretty harsh conditions always have a hopeful lookout on home. So while you spent a month away from your home, how did your perception of home change while you were talking to all these people and experiencing being away from home while doing it? Well, I'm fascinated by that question. And like you said, there are all kinds of different answers. One of the things I noticed was that the answers that people on the streets gave really are hard to distinguish from the kinds of answers my friends might give or, you know, my students might give. And I, in turn, got asked that same question by a few people on that journey. And it was really the first time I'd seriously considered that myself. As you know, at the end of the film, I attempt to answer it, at least in pieces and parts. And it reminded me of the things that are not tangible that I associate with home. And less and less, I think of home as actually being the place where I sleep at night. That home for me continues to evolve into more of a feeling of when I'm comfortable around my friends or when I'm comfortable in my own skin, when I am smelling those things or hearing laughter or with the people that cause me to feel safe and secure. I never once traveling across the country really thought about the fact that I was away from home because I felt so at home doing this work and doing this project. And, and I was surrounded by people, even on the roads, you know, friends that were helping me get this done. Yeah. So I would just say it deepened my appreciation for home. And I think it caused me to think about what that really means a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a sentiment I got to thinking of after watching the film that I hadn't really been ready to think of. And it, it was really neat to see the sentiment of, of home being where you're comfortable and where you're happy rather than a tangible place. It's really, really interesting to hear you say that as well as so many other people. Yeah, there are definitely some people who think of a place when they think of home. It might be the city they're from or the house they grew up in or whatever. But what I've come to realize is that notion feels really universal, that everybody connects something to their idea of home. And, and sometimes it's about a place, but a lot of times it's not. Mm -hmm. And I heard them use a feeling, and especially when they brought up a person, whether it was their mother in so many instances, their wife, their brother. It was great to hear how this basic idea of a roof and some walls is so much more than that once you actually think about it. And at the same time, I'm keenly aware that when you don't have a roof and some walls, that that can be what you're really focused on. It's a luxury to be able to think of you know, some of the deeper meanings. 
And so I think we're about ready to wrap up here. The last question I have for you, and this applies to the SMU community, the Dallas community, and the national community. What are some ways that us as students and just citizens in general that we can address this homelessness crisis and how can we get involved and make a difference? Wow. So there are so many answers to that. And I think some of that is also dependent on what people are comfortable doing and what resources they have, etc. My first response is always that the biggest shift can be that you can begin noticing, making eye contact when you see somebody on the street, wave. Even if you aren't able to give them anything or give them money or whatever, just to acknowledge the humanity of each other. To me, that's the very first step. I think outside of that, it's important for everybody to remember how complicated homelessness is and that it's connected to so many other issues, uh, issues like education, job training, addiction, mental illness, veterans issues and PTSD, felons and the fact that we've got issues for people who've been in prison that make it hard for them to get a job. You know, dental care, personal hygiene, and at the root of a lot of it is the issue of self-esteem, where people who have grown up in abusive families, some of them are in domestic abuse situations now, that there is often lots of complex underlying causes to why somebody ends up in that situation. And there are plenty of ways to tackle helping, including if someone is interested in any of the aspects of what causes homelessness, improving education, improving housing situations, job training, just all of the things that I just listed. There are clearly lots of organizations around that are devoted to helping different kinds of aspects of homelessness. Some are focused on children. Some are focused on adults. You mentioned adults, men over an an age, 60, I think you said. But there's lots of different places out in the world to help. We have a nonprofit, the We Are All Homeless Impact Campaign, and that's really about raising awareness so that we get the chance to continue putting content out there and enabling this project to be shared so that people can have conversations like this one. But there's plenty of ways to get in touch. People can always contact me directly and I'm happy to answer questions and or point them to shelters or other organizations in Dallas or wherever. But yeah, I I hope that answers that question. It's just, we could probably talk about that for hours. Yeah, it's a really nuanced question, but I think everything you mentioned here is a perfect overview of involvement and what we can do. And before we finish this up, I'd love to give you an opportunity to bring up your website and where we can find your film. And you already mentioned that there's a donation on your website as well. So just anything that somebody listening to this can follow up with you and your your project as a whole. Yeah, thank you. So the website, weareallhomeless.org, there is information there about the project. You can actually find a link to the film, Signs of Humanity, which is on Amazon Prime. 
And there's a little bit of background about the film. There are images from various exhibits from the past. There are a few links to some of the media articles that have been written and or interviews, all things considered, and Huffington Post and BuzzFeed, etc. So there's a lot of helpful links on the website. There is a donate button there if anybody is moved to donate to the project. And if anybody is interested in having me do a presentation about this to their organization or group, uh, whether it's through Zoom or in person, uh, I'm always happy to talk about that. I do a lot of that, a little bit less travel now than I used to, but, but in general, that's a big part of how I spread the impact of the project. And I think that there's a link to my blog on the website, and on that blog, there are links to shelters in Dallas and even outside of Dallas for people to help, donate, volunteer, etc. Well, that sounds perfect. Willie Bernay, you've been such a great guest. I'm so happy that we got this opportunity to share about you, about your story, and I'm sure there will be a lot of really eager ears to listen to this. So thank you so much, and we will talk to you soon. Henry, I appreciate you, man, and uh, keep up your good work. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Don't forget to catch our other podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and more. And make sure to follow us on social by visiting our Facebook and Instagram accounts at SMU Hello Hilltop, where you can find behind-the-scenes info and upcoming podcasts. Until next time, we'll see you on the hilltop.